Welcome to the show today, everyone. So we're going to tell the story about how I got started in the cannabis industry. And really, that means we're going to tell the story about how my husband Pablo and I met because that's where it all began. So this was probably back in 2013, 2014 in Northern California. I was working with a gentleman named Richard Betts, one of the best master psalms in the world. I was apprenticing at a winery up in Healdsburg. And one day while we were walking the fields, we stumbled across, and we didn't stumble because they were intentionally there, some cannabis plants. And I learned that that is how they were growing it in that area of California at the time to hide it from potential helicopters that were flying above. And It was just absolutely fascinating to me. Up until then, I had consumed plenty of the plant and seen a plant growing here and there in someone's maybe basement or closet, but I had never seen it out in a field at such a large scale. And it was really, really just one of the most unique experiences, and it really piqued my interest. So later on that fall, I was at a wine tasting party in the city, and I met a gentleman named Paul, and I was telling him this story, how I was walking the fields and saw these plants and how I thought it was so cool. And he just had this big smirk on his face, and he later in the night invited me to come see his gardens. And at that point, I had no idea what I was about to to walk into. I just thought, oh, he's a botanist. He probably has like cool orchids and succulents. And so here we are, we're going to go see his garden. And I show up and there's extreme security at the interest. And I'm like, wow, these must be really rare orchids. Still clueless to what I'm about to walk into. And then once I was inside, I realized where I was quickly. The smell alone gave it away. And we were in a three-story indoor grow in the heart of San Francisco, in a very unexpected building. And at that point, I was just completely captivated. Like, what in the world is this industry? It was quasi-legal back then. And I just started asking a thousand questions. And he's showing me around the whole facility. And we're walking through the facility and they have a trim room, which is essentially a fishbowl. It was glass on all sides. So you could see into this room no matter where you were standing in the facility. And for anyone listening that knows how big indoors can go, he had about 200 lights on each floor. It was a massive infrastructure of a facility. So in this glass fishbowl of a room, there were people trimming and there was someone sitting there named Pablo. And he really stood out. There was a lot of older people at the table trimming. And then there was Pablo, this young Argentinian stud of a man. So I wasn't really interested at the time, but just kept finding myself looking for excuses to come back to this grow and learn more and get to see Pablo in the fishbowl. And one thing led to another and someone helped us set up a surfing trip. And from that day when we surfed in Pacifica, he never left. And we've been together since that day. So that's really how it all started was seeing Pablo in a fishbowl in this massive facility and really starting to get interested in how he got there and who he was. After Pablo and I had been together for a few months, he was still working in the cannabis industry. I was still traveling around the U.S. doing sales for a Mezcal brand. We wanted to spend more time together. So I ended up leaving my sales job with the Mezcal brand and joining along with him to farms in Humboldt and starting to work in the cannabis industry. I started as low as you could on any farm, sweeping the floors, cleaning up, cooking for the trimmers, was not allowed to trim yet. And we just both worked our way up in the industry. 
We trimmed for a few years together. Then I started managing the trimmers. He started learning how to grow. We took a brief break from trimming and we actually made the decision to go back to school and get a formal education in greenhouse crop production. So a horticulture degree, essentially. And this really gave us a strong footing on understanding plant science, which allowed us to go get some jobs that put us in great positions in the industry at that time. So that's really how we got started in the industry. It was together. We've been entangled and enthralled by this plant through our whole marriage. We're coming up on 10 years. So that means we've been in the cannabis industry for coming up on 10 years. And I can't imagine it any other way. I know some people struggle working with their significant other. There's definitely hard days, but I absolutely love it and wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. So what did it look like for a young 20-something-year-old to be selling Mezcal and fine wine all across the United States? Well, it was fun, and it was a nonstop party, and I loved absolutely every minute of it, and I still have lifelong friends that I made in it, but it was a party, and that lifestyle can really wear on you if you're not careful. Today, as I sit here, I question, is this real life? We get the privilege to work with a plant that's been previously under prohibition, and we're working relentlessly to help rise it up and make it accessible to people. So every day I pinch myself and remind myself that this is truly an honor that we get to work with this plant and help people. So we were in Humble in a very cool time in the cannabis industry, and particularly in that part of the state of California. This is when you had a lot of farms starting to obtain or win their first licenses. So you saw these legacy growers that have been doing it for generations on land, family land, get the opportunity, if you want to call it that, hard won, hard fought opportunity to have a license, essentially making what they've been doing illegally for so long legal. And so we were on one of those first farms in Southern Humboldt. And so this is when you started seeing also these farms start trying to brand themselves and put finished products into the market because dispensaries were opening and becoming a thing. So not only were we on a farm that had a license, so we were part of that transitional process and getting the farm up to code, but we were also part of one of the original groups that was setting up a brand around flour in a jar or a pre-roll. So it was just a very exciting time to be part of the cannabis industry. Lots of gruesome nights learning what metric is and how to operate within it and really learning how to market this plant that no one had been allowed to market before. Exactly at the same time that Pablo and I were living in a yurt in Southern Humboldt up on a mountain, disconnected really from the rest of the world, and we just really had that community that we were in, this TV show came out on Netflix called Murder Mountain, and it was a short series about cannabis or pot growers in Humboldt. And some of the mountains that they were featuring in this TV show, Murder Mountain, were names that my mom and dad were familiar with because I was telling them where we were living and what we were doing. The timing couldn't have been worse <laughs> for parents to be watching this Netflix show and their daughter is with this Latin American beautiful man on a mountain in Southern Humboldt and they can only reach her on Tuesdays between six and eight. But what that show really did is it tried to demonize the cannabis industry at that time. Now, don't get me wrong, there's definitely dark secrets and truths to the cannabis industry in that area, as there are to many things that go on in the world. But it really, I think, took it to an extreme and didn't portray the 
good sides of what the industry was, which was living in harmony with nature. There were people out there doing it right. Living in harmony with community. Some of those towns on those mountains rely so heavily on the kinship of community from farm to farm. It's a beautiful thing to see. They didn't touch on any of that. So it was just really interesting to see the show take that type of turn and call it Murder Mountain instead of, you know, highlight some of the other positive things. Okay, so got into the cannabis industry 2014, worked in Humboldt for the next three or four years with my husband on grows, both indoor. We actually ended up going back and working at that indoor that we originally met at, as well as managing some outdoor farms. Then Pablo and I had our first child, Remy. This was in 2018. So We had a kid. It started getting way harder to manage the level of gardens that we were managing. For anyone that doesn't know, growing thousands of plants is like having thousands of kids that just need water and nutrients and medicine all the time. They never are just okay. Well, sometimes. So we did that for a while. Once we had Remy, we were really pretty burnt out on work in the industry. It was very turbulent in California at that time with what was legal, what wasn't. Am I a felon or am I good? It was a lot of back and forth. And since my husband is an immigrant, we wanted to be really careful with any part of the industry that we were touching. So we had Remy. 2018, we took a break. We moved out of California. We had no family in California. And we moved back to South Florida and we helped refurbish a boat that my dad had. And we lived on a boat for a year and we truly took a year off. We were very fortunate to be able to do that and spent a lot of time in the water and reflecting on what did life moving forward look like for us? What kind of life did we want to build for our family? We learned how stressful running gardens could be. We thought we were done with the cannabis industry, but our phones kept ringing and people were looking to us for advice or connections or asking us to be involved on projects that they were bringing to the market. And a really good mentor that was around us at that time and still is really encouraged us to not give up on the cannabis industry, but to try to look at it through a different scope. So at that time, CBD was really starting to bubble up. It had been there since the 2014 farm bill, but in 2018, 2019, it really started having some momentum. And there were a few states in the country that had really good hemp programs. I mean, you started seeing a lot of businesses prop up. So we had hired an attorney at that time to start helping us kind of spec out the Southeast. At that time, Florida had no hemp program. Now it has one of the biggest ones. But where was a state that we could move to that had enough established, but had a lot of room for us to grow something on our own? So we knew we didn't want to enter another state that was as saturated as somewhere like California or Colorado. We knew we wanted to stay in the Southeast because that's where our family was. And so at that point in time, we were looking between North Carolina, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Tennessee. We had a spreadsheet. It had all sorts of checks and balances and marks that we were kind of grading each state against. I would find as many things on Facebook. This is still kind of an underground industry. So you couldn't really Google, show me all the hemp meetings happening in March in these states. That wasn't an option. So you had to really get deep into these Facebook groups where hemp farmers at that time were hosting, you know, meetings to talk about things that were going on in the industry. I would fly into the states whenever I could find one of those meetings on Facebook to attend. I had been to two in Kentucky, two in North Carolina, and then eventually found 
found my way to Nashville, Tennessee, where I went to, at that time, an HIA meeting, Hemp Industry Association meeting. And it had the biggest turnout of any of the other meetings. It seemed to be the most well-organized. Shout out to all the people who put so much work into getting that many people in a room to talk about issues and solve them together. Clint Palmer, my partners in Canvas, Will and Christy Tarleton, the Hemp Growers Association, Frederick Cawthorn, shout out to all y'all. You pioneered the industry in Tennessee and all of those people play the role in why we ultimately decided to move to Tennessee. It had the best lifestyle, the best places to live, accessible childcare. It hit all the marks. So 2019, we packed our family up, fit in one car and we drove to Tennessee. We knew two people. There are partners now in our company, which we'll hear more on that later. And we moved here without knowing anyone else. And we rented a house and we put our heads down and we started helping any farmers that needed help on their hemp farms, growing, processing, marketing, branding. I also ran a nanny care out of my house just to get by and get established in Tennessee while we were really figuring out what our play was going to be with the CBD industry in Tennessee. So I kind of hinted on it earlier, but there were two people that really were instrumental in our decision of moving to Tennessee. And I'm proud to say that they're my business partners in Canvas today. That's Will and Christy Tarleton. These people had so much energy around the cannabis plant and what they thought and what they envisioned the cannabis industry to be in Tennessee. And It's really rare that you find yourself around people that have magnetic energy like that, particularly around something that requires so much dedication and tenacity to be involved in something like the cannabis industry. So we leaned in hard to our friendship with Will and Christy, had no intentions of ever doing business with them, just knew that they were doing it right and we wanted to do right with them in any capacity that we could. I think my husband Pablo worked for free on Will's farm. We just wanted to literally get our hands in the dirt with people that were growing the plant out here and just humbly learn what this industry was out here by doing the same thing that we did in California, which was just getting our hands dirty, starting at any level that we could and we'll work our way up. It is wild to reflect on who we were and what we were doing when we first started this company. And just four short but long, grueling years later, seeing how ourselves as individuals and our team as individuals and the products we're bringing to market have matured. And I think it really shows that the industry is maturing. We just have to give it time and help it along the way. I just kept asking Christy for help. I, at that point, had a deck together for a company called Blix, It's still out there. Stay tuned. It's going to be huge. It's just taking time. So I asked Christy for help. She had such a great eye for design. Her and I both have degrees in graphic design. So we were using a lot of the same software so we could fling files back and forth to each other. And one day, I remember it, I asked her, please come over. I'm going to force you to sit on my couch. I'm going to roll a big blunt. And I just really need your help banging out this branding for this brand called Blix. At that point, I was attempting to try to raise money for that company. And it was at that point that she was over there and she was learning more about what I was trying to do. And she was sharing more about what she was doing with her company at the time, which was Yuyo Botanics, who makes great tinctures and topicals for anyone that wants to check it out. And I think that was it. There was a little bit of connection that happened over that blunt on the couch with us with our computers open, making something beautiful for the hemp industry. 